Shrink your Christmas bill at Dunn Stores with 20% off wine and champagne. Delicious free-range Irish turkeys for just £39.99. 20% off our unsmoked centre-cut Irish ham. And a selection of vegetable side dishes like seasoned roast potatoes with herb butter and Brussels sprouts with bacon pieces are mix and match any two for €5.50. Plus, with our 10 or 50 grocery voucher, you save even more. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used on next grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Voucher excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-host, Austin. Um, you may or may not remember us because it's been a while since we've recorded an episode, and I'm super sorry about that. We have just had some big stuff going on in our lives, and our Patreons know about it because I posted about it in that um, in that group. But I just thank you all so much for understanding and being patient and not hounding me about it because I was seriously stressed trying to think of when we were going to get this episode out, when we would have time to record. Um, it's not always easy, but here we are. Yeah, life got crazy. Yeah, big stuff going on. So um, before we get started, I want to give shout outs to our new Patreons. You ready for this? Let's go. Jameson Rocks, Woo! Victoria Collins, Victoria, Savannah Dorfler, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Rhiannon Leverkamp, Heck yeah. Sean Natali, Appreciate you. Kelsey Schultz. Appreciate you. Katie Wolf. Appreciate you. Mercedes yep. Hans. <laughs> yep. I give her a special shout out because she, remember at Morgan's dinner? Okay, anyway. Stephanie Carlson. Yep. <laughs> Madison Scott. Hell. Holly Norris. Hell yeah. Romeo. Yep. BFF. Katie Bullimar. Cool. B- Bullimore, sorry. I know some of these people. This is cool. Yeah. Trina Maybury. Dope. We know her. Jessica Sands. Cool, cool. And Cole Evans. Dope. Look at all these people coming out of the woodworks. Cole Evans is your brother. How are you not going to give him a bigger shout out than that? <laughs> I just, yeah, woo-woo. <laughs> woo-woo. Thanks, dog. Oh, man. All right. So today we are covering part two of the Murdoch murders. So if you haven't listened to part one yet or... If you listened to it when it came out, which was like a month ago, and you need a refresher, I suggest listening to that first. Such so, a good episode. Yeah. So you get a good chronological timeline of the events. Um, but just for like a quick recap, at the end of part one, we left off with the shocking murders of Paul and his mom, Maggie. But before we revisit their untimely deaths, I just want to talk about the important events leading up to it. So... Drunk asses on a boat. Right, but there's even more to it. So, like, to understand what happened to Paul and Maggie, you do kind of have to backpedal a little bit and revisit, you know, dive a little deeper into the timeline. Um, on April 18th of 2019, what would have been Mallory Beach's 20th birthday, she was the victim in the boating accident. Paul was indicted on charges of boating under the influence causing Mallory's death, and Two counts of boating under the influence causing great bodily injury. So Mallory's family filed a wrongful death suit against the gas station that sold Paul the alcohol that night with that false ID, right? Because he used his brother's ID, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And um, this lawsuit was also against the Murdoch family. So 
Paul pleaded not guilty to the charges on May 6th of 2019, and mediation was attempted, but ultimately failed. So the case appeared to be bound for trial as of June 4th of 2021, which was just a couple months ago. Then three days later, on Monday the 7th, the patriarch of their family, Alex Murdoch, was the unfortunate one to find them on that huge property shot to death. And so I'm going to play a part of the 911 call. So I apologize for the range and volume. Um, that's kind of the only option that I could find as far as like a thorough uh, recording of the call. So I'm just going to cut it off there because the call goes on and then um, I think they might get disconnected and then they get reconnected. There's parts of the call that have been redacted. If you want to listen to the entire call, um, I'll put that link to the call in the show notes um, so you can listen to that for yourself. But I think I kind of got the most important meat of the call right. in that. So, okay, he, it's obviously frantic. Remind me just because, so the the family, 
Mm-hmm. The, the son that was in the boat wreck, that he was kind of the jerk. Uh-huh. What his name? Paul. Paul. And this calling is who? Alec, his dad. His dad. Yes. And Paul is dead. Uh-huh. And Alec's wife is dead. Yes. Okay. Maggie, the mom. I just want to make sure I was on the same page. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's unclear how much and exactly what has been redacted from the phone calls. But if you remember during the last episode, we talked about SLED, which is the state law enforcement division in South Carolina. SLED released documents from the initial investigation on the night of the murder, but it too is heavily, heavily redacted. It doesn't really offer hardly any information other than that a black Chevy Suburban was towed, which was owned by the Murdoch family law firm, and that shell cases were found at the scene but the number of shell casings was redacted. Um, Does redacted mean like just condensed? It means like you can see the report, but parts of it have been blacked out. Okay. So you can't, you, you know something's been redacted. Got it. But you can't see it, obviously. So, um, and he also mentioned, you know, that he was out and that he had come home to find them. Well, he was apparently, Alec was apparently visiting his dad. His dad, Randolph Murdoch III, was sick and in the hospital, and apparently Alec was um, visiting him. And then that Thursday, the same week, the 10th, Alec's dad, Randolph, passed away from that ongoing illness. So Friday the 11th, a funeral was held for Paul and Maggie, and then Alec's dad was buried that Sunday. So who, question, this is just random, Mm -hmm. the way my brain works. Who made all the money in the family? Is it Alec or Alec's dad? Oh, it's like the whole generation of them. I mean, it's... It's Murdoch after Murdoch after Murdoch. Every generation. Yeah, it's a a long line. Okay. Yeah. Um, So... There's a lot of theories that surround this whole story, okay? And for the sake of keeping things concise, because my podcast covers a variety of stories, I'm going to kind of condense a lot of the information that I've heard and read so far. Um, But, you know, if you want to research this yourself, the, the hole is very, very deep. You can find yourself really deep in um, the information that resol- or revolves around this case. So anyway, the first theory um, that I want to address is the theory that Alec Murdoch was the killer, um, the dad. Mm-hmm. So there were some initial thoughts and suspicions that maybe um, Alec Murdoch was involved in this double murder. And at first, I really thought that this was just a speculative theory with absolutely no merit. Like at first I was like, that is the least believable theory in my opinion. To me, that's how it seemed, right? Um, Especially because this is a man who cared so much about his social status and reputation. I mean, you heard how upset he got when she asked, is it a trailer or a house? And he's like, it's a house. Like, how dare you? And maybe that's just my own opinion, whatever. But, um... Anyway, it's just hard to believe that someone who cared so much about his social status would kill a member or members of his own family. Mm-hmm. However, we will come back to this theory because there have been some recent updates that I want to address closer to the end, okay, just to kind of keep things in a good chronological order. So, mm-hmm. so hang with me. We will circle back to Alex Murdoch. So another theory is that this relates to the boat crash that we talked about in episode one. 
So um, this theory was that this was like some sort of revenge for the boat crash that happened in February of 2019 that killed Mallory Beach. Paul pleaded not guilty to the BUI charges against him, and apparently his attorneys planned on centering their defense on the conflicting police and witness statements. Because if you'll remember, Corporal Jack Keener said in his report that it was, quote, unclear who was driving the boat the night of the crash. And Jack Heater, or I'm sorry, Jack Keener had a lot to lose or gain by making this so ambiguous because the Murdoch law firm had represented Jack in uh, previous cases of his own where he won tons of money from a car accident that his dad was involved in. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, anyway, they were going to use that in, in their defense. And according to Paul's defense attorney, Jim Griffin, quote, Paul steadfastly maintained that he was not driving when it crashed, unquote. Which to me is just really disappointing, honestly, because I mean, of course you were driving and a girl lost her life and you really have absolutely no moral compass to just like say, yeah, I made a mistake. I messed up. Clearly that wasn't going to happen. It's also clear that Alex Murdoch attempted to interfere with the investigation on the night of the crash crash. And we touched a little bit on this in part one, that he inserted himself into his son's room before police were able to question him And according to one of the nurses, he tried to orchestrate everyone else's stories as well. And at one point, a nurse told him, and I don't know if I said this in part one, but a nurse told him at one point to either stay in his son's room or leave the ER. And security was informed to keep an eye on him the rest of the night. Alex was so desperate to keep his son out of trouble that he even intercepted Connor on his way to a CAT scan to tell him not to say anything to investigators. So he seemed way more concerned about the future rather than the present state of each victim, right? Mm -hmm. And same went for Paul. So this was something that I found after I wrote part one. According to a written statement made to police by a tech in the ER, she said, quote, I was in and out of the room that Paul was in. He did not express any concern about anyone else that was involved in the crash. When I asked him for a urine sample, he then smiled at me and asked me if I was going to hold it for him. Oh, my gosh. When I went back into the room, he pointed to my butt and said, oh, wow, that's nice, end quote. Are you going to hold it for me? Like, I, I cannot... I cannot, if just listening to that makes me irate because he knew Mallory was missing at that point. He knew she was likely gone. He knew his friends were hurt. But he's done everything he's done and he has the balls to No remorse. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. And I can't help but wonder if this ignited some rage in Mallory's family to hear what a condescending prick he was in the hospital right after they just, he just essentially killed their daughter. Right. So... After so many occurrences of completely vile behavior, I can see why this would make every other crash victim's family angry. Angry enough to want Paul dead, though? Multiple people related to the crash voluntarily gave their DNA to investigators to rule them out as suspects. But, you know, that also makes me wonder what DNA was found at the scene that they're comparing it to. We don't know. So Maggie's phone was 
also found on the roadside nearby, and Paul's phone was found near his body, but Maggie's phone was taken and then dumped. So I was also curious to know if that contained any fingerprints, but regardless, from what I understand, they've already gotten DNA, and I'm assuming they would have gotten fingerprints also from the boat crash victims, but um, either way... I I don't know. I don't know what I think about that theory. What do you think about that theory? That another boat crash victim? Yeah, that maybe somebody was coming for their own revenge, knowing that he wasn't going to pay the price. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested to hear the, hear the next theory. but Yeah, and maybe we can revisit at the yeah, end and see revisit. which yeah. one you think is more believable. And all, obviously, this is speculative on our parts because there's a lot of information that I still don't know. There's a lot of people, or there's a lot of information that nobody knows except the people who were there because so much has been redacted. So yeah, a lot of this is just going to be our opinions, but there's also the theory of Stephen Smith. And we touched on this a little bit at the end of episode one. This is like one. the guy that was tied to a murder previously with the Murdoch family. Right. So um, the, I'm going to explain. So Stephen Smith was a 19 year old openly gay man from Hampton, South Carolina. And on July 8th of 2015, He was found dead in the middle of Sandy Run Road. Initially, it was ruled as a hit and run, despite the conflicting evidence at the scene. And Stephen had what initially appeared to be a gunshot wound to his head. It was a seven and a quarter inch gash above his right eye. So he also had a partially dislocated shoulder, injuries to his left arm and hand, Uh, From what I understand, there were like cuts. It looked like cuts apparently to his left uh, left arm and hand. But there weren't any shell casings or other evidence to suggest that this was the result of a shooting. His car was found about two or three miles down the road, and it was out of gas with the gas cap left open. So it would appear that he ran out of gas and was walking home since he only lived about six miles from where he left his car. And Stephen was actually on his way home that night from a night class. He was in nursing school. So he was completely sober. There was nothing found in his system. He was literally on his way home from school. And this led investigators to believe that Stephen's death was the result of a hit and run, even though there were no skid marks and his shoes were still on his feet, which uh, you may not know this, but just basic physics you know, when someone gets hit by a car, their shoes typically come off. Really? Yeah, it's just like the law of friction, I guess, that their shoes will come off if they've been hit by a car. It's very common. So his shoes were loosely on his feet. Like they weren't, I, I think from what I understand, they weren't tied very tight. So it was even more confusing as to why they were still on if he had been hit by a car. Um, so they initially then suggested that he was maybe hit by a truck mirror. But one police report indicated that there was no evidence to suggest that the victim was struck by a vehicle. So there's just like all these different theories. They're all conflicting. Um, his mom refused to believe that um, that he was that this was just an accident, stating that he would have absolutely gotten out of the way if a car was coming, and he wouldn't just be carelessly walking in the middle of the road either. Which is probably a fair statement for anybody, you would think. Right. And his sister even recalled another time when he had run out of gas. Apparently he had common 
problems with his car. It was frequent. And there was one night that he had car trouble and he actually hid in the woods right by where he parked his car because he was scared of somebody coming up on him that he didn't know. So like he was a pretty cautious kid, it sounds like. So just the thought of him walking in the middle of the road and especially when a car is coming, like, I don't know, it just, it doesn't seem to align. Um, There was also no glass or plastic found at the scene. There was nothing in his wounds. So, you know, you would think damage from a vehicle would get left behind. So then SLED gets involved. And um, to investigate a, quote, possible murder. And when an autopsy was performed on Stephen, Dr. Aaron Presnell concluded that he was hit by a car and his cause of death was determined to be due to blunt head trauma caused by a motor vehicle collision. So investigator Todd Proctor doubted this and he confronted Dr. Presnell with his concerns and he asked if it was possible that Smith was struck by someone with a baseball bat in a moving car, which would be a believable theory. Mm -hmm. But her response was, well, Quote, well, I guess it's possible, but it was his job to find out what struck him, not hers. Which, to me, just seemed really... Awkward. Awkward and kind of aggressive. I mean, it is your job to find out the cause of death. And, um, I mean, yeah, if if he's hit by a car and he's hit by a baseball bat, those are two very different circumstances. So You would think, I mean, I don't know anything about this stuff, but you would think that a baseball bat would be a more direct line of being hit versus a car, mm-hmm. which would be more whole your, your whole body, if you know what I mean. Right, right, yeah, because it's, yeah, a, a, a baseball, baseball bat, bat versus a huge vehicle, yeah. right. right. So in December, five months after Stephen's death, anonymous tips started rolling in that suggested brothers Paul and Buster were possible persons of interest. One tip said that three males were involved in Stephen's death, one of whom was quote, a white male Murdoch, end quote. But it doesn't specify which Murdoch, if it was Paul or if it was his brother Buster. Multiple people came forward with information that they believed tied the Murdoch family to Stephen Smith's death. Several people were interviewed to share their third-hand information, and I want to emphasize that these were essentially rumors, okay? This is just stuff people were hearing. But I think it's worth noting, because sometimes those things do turn out to be true or at least have some sort of merit. Yeah. I mean, you got it. You just, you have to at least investigate it. Um, but anyway, but the highway patrol in South Carolina, the investigators allegedly never asked any Murdoch family members about their possible involvement. So they didn't really dive very deep into these theories or rumors. And you have to wonder just with everything else that's gone on in this case, if they heard the word Murdoch and, just kind of repelled it, you know, just stayed so away. So freaking wild if they were like, could have so much power. Right. If they were like, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, even if it was, even if it is a credible tip, we're right. not touching it. You just have to wonder, just because of the way that everything else has gone down. But Stephen's twin sister, Stephanie, said that she spoke with Stephen earlier that day because he called her when his car wouldn't start. And she said that um, his battery terminals were loose and she had to come jumpstart it. So she said, you know, like I said earlier, he had car trouble pretty often. Um, and so she really didn't think anything of that. But she did recall that he'd been acting a little un- on edge and paranoid lately, like maybe someone was following him or stalking him. And, you know, 
in a small town, when you're openly gay, you likely receive a lot of criticism and, um, it would not surprise me at all if people treated Stephen poorly because of his... Well, gay or not, I mean, in a small town, you're going to get criticized and scrutinized. and So, yeah, that just kind of adds to right. the reasoning yeah. behind In a small town, it's quite often people are a little closed-minded. So you add to that that you're an openly gay man and you're just instantly a target. I mean, that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. So... It's really sad. It's unfortunate. I hate that. But right. that's just yeah. the way it is there. In a lot of places. Anyway, Sandy firmly believes that this was not a random attack or accident. Sandy is Stephen's mom. According to an interview with the Augusta Chronicle, Sandy said, quote, One of the guys that supposedly did this, Stephen told his twin sister that she had a fling with the boy. He also told me that he and the boy had a deep sea fishing trip planned for July, but Stephen died on the 8th of July. She went on to say, quote, I guarantee you that Stephen was not in that road. They took him from his car. Everybody knew his car because he, uh, he had the ugliest little banana car in town. And these boys were coming from a baseball game. And I think that they were right behind him. So when he had to pull over, they were right there. And the worst part is that some of the individuals responsible were Stephen's classmates, end quote. Okay, so when I read that quote, I tried really hard to find out who is she referring to? Because it's not, it's like specific um, placement, but it's not giving specific names. So I was thinking, you know, were Alex and Buster at a baseball game that night? Was Buster planning a deep sea fishing trip? I could not find anything. Um, so I'm sorry because I have that <laughs> quote and I cannot find anything to corroborate to that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just like, well, that's kind of huge. If you are that confident that these boys were coming home from a baseball game and that right. there was a deep sea fishing trip planned, but you know, that Steven was supposed to take with you, his secret boyfriend. And then I thought you were going to say like, you got on one of their Facebook pages and found that they were at a baseball game that night. No, I tried. In fact, I belong to a Facebook group that discusses the Murdoch case solely. And I went on to ask, and I don't think my question got posted because it was one of those that like you have to get accepted. So, and I didn't have time to wait and keep asking, but it's just something worth noting though. Um, Eventually, though, the case of Stephen Smith's death went cold, and no arrests were made, no named suspects were ever announced, even though Sandy said, quote, everybody knows what happened to my son, but nobody wants to tell me who was responsible, end quote. That is a bold statement. Yeah, it is. It is, especially considering the status of this family. It's saying you all know, and we all know it was the Murdochs, but... You don't want to want to admit it. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's implying, yeah. for sure. Um, and, you know, we have to be careful, of course, with our opinions, and we have to reiterate that, you know... Their opinions. They're just our opinions. I don't opinions. even know crap about crime. This girl just teaches it to me. <laughs> I listen. So, anyway, Sandy also reiterated that Stephen was killed by several local youths from prestigious families, which she believes have sworn to protect their children no matter what heinous crime they committed. I mean, that sounds an awful lot like she's um, implying the Murdoch family. But since the the murder of Paul and Maggie, Stephen's case has now been reopened. So allegedly, the investigation into Paul and Maggie's death um, have apparently 
opened something, even though they won't say what, that has prompted them to reopen an investigation into Stephen's death. However, it was a huge slap in the face when they called Stephen's mom, Sandy, to let her know that they were looking into it because the vibe she got was that they wanted to look into the possibility that someone in Stephen's family could have done something to them. Not that they were interested in solving Stephen's death. They're interested. But now we're going to defend this family again. Yes. And how insulting is it that you're going to, you know, maybe base this, you know, tip or whatever off of hearsay, and you're going to go, you're going to go out of your way to call this victim's mom about it, but you wouldn't look into any other tips regarding Stephen Smith's death, and it's still unsolved. That would be a slap in the face. Huge slap in the face. And it just goes to show you, I think, how much money can affect your who, the justice system. And who you know. Yeah. So, yeah, just when she thinks they're going to reopen the case to find out who killed Stephen, no. It's to find out who killed Paul and Maggie. It's just so insulting. So, earlier I mentioned the theory regarding Alex Murdoch's involvement. At first, like I said, this seemed to be an unsubstantiated, substantiated, excuse me, theory But there have been some new developments that just kind of make you think. So it's already been reported that guns were found at the scene. And at first I wondered if the guns found were the weapons used or did those guns belong to the Murdochs or was it both? So it turns out Paul was shot several times with a reportedly with a shotgun. And I couldn't find like investigative, like credible reports. This was kind of something I read like in an article. So I'm not sure if this is 100% accurate. I'm just putting that out there. But allegedly, Paul was shot several times with a shotgun and Maggie was shot several times by an AR-15 assault rifle. One of those guns allegedly belonged to the Murdoch family. Also, Alex Murdoch served time, part-time, for the 14th Judicial Circuit, okay? This is the same office that would be prosecuting this case, but recently Duffy Stone, whose official title is the 14th Circuit Solicitor, which is basically like a prosecuting attorney, Duffy recused himself after saying repeatedly that he would not step down from this case, So what changed? Why would he adamantly stand by the investigation from the beginning and then suddenly wipe his hands clean of this case and in a letter sent to the state attorney's general's state attorney general's office on August 11th, he wrote, quote, citing the events of today in SLED's investigation of the homicides of Paul and Maggie Murdoch, I am asking that you assume all prosecutorial functions in this matter immediately, end quote. So, so asking them to end it? Asking, him to, asking them to allow him to remove himself. That's what recuse means. He's removing himself from the investigation, from the case, from everything. He doesn't want to be a part of it. So... He would not elaborate on why he suddenly recused himself. No charges have been brought forward in this case. However, Alex has been named as a person of interest. So not officially a suspect, but a person of interest. He reportedly has an alibi for the night of the shooting, but, you know, he was visiting his dad. That's the alibi. But I feel like with everything else that has gone on surrounding the Murdoch family, it's difficult to trust literally anyone involved in this case. It's difficult to trust the medical examiner's report that Paul and Maggie were killed between 9 and 9.30 when they were so nonchalant about Stephen Smith's autopsy and his cause of death, right? 
It's difficult to trust literally anyone in the judicial system when all they've shown their, all they have done is shown their loyalty to the Murdoch family, right? But who knows? Things could change. Crazier things have happened. But um, more facts will eventually come out, and the pieces of this puzzle will eventually come together, offering hopefully a clearer picture of what the heck happened. But so, when did that that death happen? <clears throat> the double murder. That was in June of this year. That's so crazy how recent it was. Yeah, super recent. Wild. So the theories are either boat crash victims, Stephen Smith somebody associated with Stephen Smith or Alex. Yes, or the dad. And how old is Alex? Alec, it's Alec. Alec. I mean, it's spelled Alex, but it's pronounced Alec. Um, I don't know how old he is, but I mean, he's got sons that are in their 20s, so he's probably, I would 50, guess, in his like 50s, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I think some theories are that, you know, Paul shot Maggie, so then Alec shot Paul. I mean, that's one of the theories. Like, you know, obviously these are theories. So, but it's just interesting to think about because there are there is so much trauma and crime that has plagued this family that it's really hard to pinpoint who it could be because I think all the theories are a little credible. It's crazy that they have such, believable. It's crazy that they have such status and power and like respect, yet they're tied to so many like fishy things. Yes, fishy is a good word. Yeah. So it's a shady. question. If you were Al, is it Alec or Alex? Alec. If you were Alec, would you be listening to all the podcasts right now about this case? You know, if because, I were Alec. Because hold on, before yeah. you say this anything, I guarantee you that athletes, LeBron James watches what all the people are saying about him. And he may not anymore because he's old school now and whatever, mm-hmm. but when he was young, he did. And Paul, or Alex, is fresh into this murder thing. Alec, yeah. whatever the hell his name is. Yeah. He's fresh into the murder scene right now. Yeah. The murder person of interest scene. So do you think that he watches and listens to all this stuff? You know, okay, here's my take on that. I think if he were, then it would be to... Clear himself? No, it would be to issue cease and desist or some sort of like, like legal action to shut people up about yeah. it. That's what I think. I think... He's just lurking in the shadows, making different Facebook names, going on these groups saying, guys, it couldn't be him. Maybe that could be possible too, but I think he would take a more legal approach and threaten to sue because we know that that law firm is very sue happy. So that's what I think. If he, if he were listening to any podcasts, it would probably be with the intent to shut people up by way of well, legal action. Alec, good news. This is the last episode we're doing about it. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. If you want to <laughs> listen to any more, you can go to another podcast. Freaking wild, though. Because this is all I'm going to cover on it. Um, I have to get out of it because it's like such a rabbit hole. I would just... I've spent yeah. more time on this case than I have probably any of the other ones I've ever researched for this for podcast. Time, yeah. yeah, so I'd like to move on. <laughs> I would like to remove myself from this narrative. Thank you. So we're really excited to pull ourselves out of this case. We've done our investigation. We've done our part. Yeah, and you know. It's really crazy, though, for real. It is. It absolutely is. We'll find out more. If there is a huge update, I'm sure I'll update at the beginning of like another episode down the line. If, you know, Alec gets arrested, you bet I'm going to probably come on here and be like, guys, listen to this. Or but if, then go talk about something else. Yeah, then we got other shit to talk about. Yes. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to part two of the Murdoch Murders. We will be back 
someday. I'm not sure exactly we'll when. Hopefully soon. next Murdoch's week. Murdochs are wild. That was wild. Mm-hmm. Patreons are growing. We Shout love out you. To y'all. Oh my God, we love you so hey, much. I'm so please, grateful. If you enjoyed this episode or the last one, please share them. Yes. Because Kelly wants to grow this thing. And I want to grow this thing, and it's we like reaching people, and it's fun. And I don't even like crime, and now I do. Okay. Yeah, a lot of you have said that you enjoy it, which means a lot to me. So, um, if you it. if you enjoy it, share it. Someone and and review too. us. We yeah. never ask for stuff, and it's important. So, if you would rate us on iTunes and stuff, or a podcast, or whatever it is. Yeah. Anyways, see you next week. Maybe Mama. hopefully. Mystery, out. Bye.